Welcome to the Ringer Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to godly marriages and the trials we all face. Our goal here is to strengthen, encourage, and educate through the personal experiences we've gained in our 15 years of difficult bliss. We aren't licensed counselors or pastors, but we are experts on just about everything your relationship can weather. We've been through the Ringer, and we're still standing. Well, today is going to be a bonus Special. That's right. Bonus episode. It's a story that we promised that we would tell when we're giving our entire story. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell about our second daughter. And since we gave our our first daughter's name last episode, her name's Aubrey. The youngest one is Jameson. And this is Jameson's story. Yes. This is uh, when when we lost her for a little bit. So... We're going to do this today because we feel like it deserves its own time slot, and it will help with the next episode. Yes. That's coming, I guess, number five would be the correct term. But anyway, I guess I'll just start. Go ahead, yeah. This is basically my show because I was... I was the one present. Yeah, I'm just color commentating right now. Yeah, uh, it was March 13th, 2008, and we were living in Loxley, Alabama, which is in the deep south, really close to uh, Gulf Shore. So it's it's warm 80% of the year, yeah. if not more. And the girls had been cooped up for about three weeks. They were age two and one. Jameson had, no, I'm sorry, they were three and two back then. Mm-hmm. Jameson had just turned two, and Aubrey was three and a half-ish, but they were both very small. It was uh, hard to keep them cooped up for too long because they were extremely active. But we decided that since it was going to be warm, I would go out and clean out the flower beds, and they would just go play in the yard. We had this four-acre yard, and no no close neighbors. I mean, they, they were completely safe just to run around the yard without me helicopter mowing right the whole time. <clears throat> yeah they had a little one of those wooden swing set playgrounds out back that they would play on and they had uh, those little electric plastic four-wheelers the power wheels they, yeah the, one was regular size and then the jameson's was tiny yeah a little bit went like two miles an hour so i while they were eating their breakfast i went outside and pulled the power wheels out and got all the toys they'd need to play so we could play from about well i think we got outside around 10 but from then until nap time which would have been after lunch. But um, we went outside, and our oldest had gotten into the habit of being able to sneak back into our house. Mm-hmm. So every time we... And it would scare us because we couldn't find her. And it was like, is she in the woods? Where'd she go? <laughs> and that was not out of character for her. So I, I would make sure every time I went outside with them that we would close the the kitchen door from the garage. So if you, you know, go into the garage through the kitchen, make sure that heavy wooden door was shut completely. Yeah, these where were... she could bump it. Yeah, and these were, pardon me, these were big, heavy doors. I mean, they solid. were eight, eight foot tall doors. They solid, were hard for me to yeah, open. Yeah, solid wood. So they were, I mean, it's not like a, a regular door in a, in a regular house. This was a, you know, these doors were big, heavy doors. And if, but if the vacuum was right, Aubrey could bump it with her hip and it'd come right open. Right. If it wasn't latched. Right. So I made sure it was. And we walked outside and I told the girls, play on the swing set, play on your power wheels, don't go by the pool. We had an in-ground pool. 
And they, they absolutely never, ever disobeyed oh, no. as far as the pool went. I think they had a, a large respect yeah. for it. But, you know, Jameson was little the yeah. last time she was in it. And so she was, she was still, to this day, very skittish about everything. Oh, yeah. So she didn't like to get in without me anyway. Aubrey, she learned her lesson the hard way. Mm-hmm. She didn't get back in by herself. Well, I didn't. I wasn't worried about it at all. I went to the front yard and started doing everything I had planned to do. And I would walk around the side yard and check on them, I don't know, every couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Every time I went around, they were digging in the dirt or climbing on the swing set. Nothing that would should worry me. Right. Running out of breath. <sighs> Need to breathe. So, I, I, went in, I do remember that I went inside because I started to get really hot. Mm-hmm. And I had on a t-shirt. I thought, well, I'm going to go get a tank top. And uh, it took me, I went around the side where there was a, on the porch where there was a door into our bedroom. And it was locked. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm not going to deal with it. I'll just wear this and change after we put the, I put the girls down for a nap. And I, it, at that time, I felt like, oh, man, it's been about 10 minutes mm-hmm. since I've heard them. And Aubrey had stopped riding her four-wheeler. Like, she always rode her four-wheeler around the house in continuous circles. Right. Continuous. Yeah. And she had been doing that right before I decided I was too hot. And so I thought, well, I haven't heard from her, so I probably need to go around. So as I was walking around in front of the garage, Aubrey met me halfway from the backyard. And she said, Mama, they're in the water. And I said, who's in the water? And she said, and before she could say anything, she was going to say sissy. Before she could say anything, I could see, I'd walked around, and I could see the wheels of Jameson's four-wheeler in the pool. Like it had flipped upside down. Yeah. And I knew immediately that the pool was built up a little bit from where I was standing. So you couldn't see into the pool. And again, the yard is huge. Yeah. So I t- took off sprinting. And when I got there, I could see that immediately that she was gone. She was dead. Yeah. There was no question. But I jumped in the water. And at that second, I mean, I was fully clothed, of course, but I realized just how cold that water was. Mm-hmm. Because it had been, you know, still winter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I think we said it measured 52 degrees or... Is yeah, something like that. So anyway, I jumped in and I grabbed her just like a lifeguard sought. I had gone through some silly little lifeguard classes when I was 11 because I had outgrown the actual swimming lessons at Red Cross. And they taught us how to drag a body, mm-hmm. crazy enough, to the side of a pool or to... If you're at a beach, a little different scenario, but... I dragged her just like I was taught. I picked her up, and she she weighed double, I felt like. Yeah. Because, well, you've heard it, but dead weight. Yeah. She was so waterlogged. Yeah. So I picked her up out of the water, and I laid her on the grass by the pool. And, and I noticed that she was purple. And she was swollen double in size, and that her lips were white. 
she uh, checked for a pulse and she had zero pulse and she wasn't breathing and for my calculations which at the time yeah you go through this you think about how long has it been and I kept thinking has it been 10 minutes or 20 minutes since I saw her last how long have I been gone and Aubrey I had laid Jameson in the grass and Aubrey sat down on her knees at the at her head and she was watching me this whole time and I started screaming screaming for my my neighbors that didn't live close but they everyone always seemed to be outside anyway during the day and during the work day they were always home but I screamed and somebody help me help me help me and there was nobody there and it, to this day that strikes me as odd because everyone was always home so I screamed until I felt like my throat was bleeding and I kept looking down at her and I it, this is so to me this has always been the most disgusting oh yeah I hate hearing this story I know, I, know. I hate this story I know I know this part of this story yeah but I looked down and I, my thought was God I can't have just one baby and during my C-section with Jameson, I had had a tubal. So if I wanted another one, there were things, I mean, I said, that has always been, for me, the ugliest thing I could think at that moment. So anyway, I'm screaming and there's no answer. And so I tried, I, I decided I needed to get the water out of her tummy. And uh, you think about the minutes that are passing. I'm telling you as quickly as it's going here, or as it did go. So I picked her up, and I turned her over. I rolled her on her side, and tons of water came out. And she seemed to be, well, it didn't work. It didn't work. Nothing helped that. She just was still limp and purple. <clears throat> so I tilted her head back, and... I started doing rescue breaths and I could tell that nothing was hitting her lungs. It seemed to be stopping at the back of her throat. And I thought, what is going on? What is going on? I knew CPR. I knew what I was doing. Why wasn't it working? So I looked at Aubrey and remember she's three years old and she was a peanut. She was a little bitty with these thick Coke bottle glasses and she looked at me and I said, Aubrey, Go get the phone. We had no cell phones out there. Yeah. They didn't, well, we had them. They didn't work because it was still kind of a new thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, and by the way, Aubrey uh, hasn't gotten much better, but she had the attention span of a gnat. But she was watching me. Yeah. So attentively. Like everything I did, she did not miss it. So I have an audience of this three year old that is. What's going on? It's going to affect her for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Had that on my brain too, but I told her go get the phone. Now our house was not small. No, it was too big, and the house phone, of course, was for, it was cordless, but it could have been anywhere. Yeah, in that yeah. house. Yeah, you guys know how it is or how it was back then when we had cordless phones. I mean it. It may be, you know, on the base or it may be in the couch never, cushion. It's never on the base. Right. But, I mean, it could be anywhere in the house. <clears throat> and you really never knew where it was until it rang. No, no. And so she... Now, remember, the door was shut 
on purpose yeah. hard mm-hmm. so she could not get into the house. And then I'm sending her in to find a needle in a haystack. Right. And and while she was gone, I, I was so angry. I was so mad that nothing was working with Jameson. So I finally, I got mad. At, I think I was mad at God because I felt like I was completely alone with nothing but a three-year-old to help me. Yeah. And so I yelled, where are you? And remember, I mean, I'm screaming it out loud because no one's there. Who's mm-hmm. going to judge that? And I said, where are you? And as loudly as I, I said that, I heard it as loud. Call on me. Just as if it was spoken in the trees or in my head, but it was loud. And so... I said, God, help me. And at, at that same time, Aubrey shows up with the phone mm-hmm. and sits right back down on her knees, right at Jameson's head, and hands me the phone. Which is a miracle in itself. We'll get there. Yeah. I dialed 911. And I'm... To be honest, I can't believe they had 911. Yeah. I'm from a very rural area myself. And I don't know if they even have 911 yet. Yeah. But I called it. And as I was calling, still trying to do rescue breaths, nothing, nothing was working. We're probably at the 10 minute mark here mm-hmm. as far as me pulling her out of the water. Yeah. And she has yet to breathe and still no heartbeat. And so a girl named Christina answers the phone. And I told her what was going on, and I knew she had immediately dispatched something, somebody, a police officer, to the house. I knew somebody was coming. I told her what I tried and how it didn't work, and I told her that, you know, I needed help. And so she starts walking me through CPR, and I completely black out. I just, I ignore her. Yeah. And not because she was making me mad, but it was because, because I was trying to calculate why the air wasn't getting into Jameson's lungs. Yeah. So, I picked, I decided, I told Christina, that sweet girl, I said, hold on, and I threw the phone on the grass, and I picked Jameson up, and I put her forehead to her knees, like she was a wet sponge. And when I did, whatever that it was that was in the way broke free, and it, there was such an, a, a mass amount of junk that came out of her mouth that was keeping everything I was trying to do to save her, it, it was blocking it. So I laid her back down, tilted her head back, and I breathed one more time. And as soon as that air hit her lungs, she coughed. And she coughed and then she cried and the next thing I know there's this police officer walking toward me and I pick up the phone I'm like he's here and I mean, there's some other things that was said and I remember her saying you did it mama you did it and I'm like oh okay cool I need you to call my husband and tell him what's going on and he's in this truck and this is his phone number 
God only knows how I even knew your phone number. Yeah. And I knew to ask her to do all that. Yeah. And at this time, I was I was in a, a town in Foley, Alabama, about 20, 25 miles away. And I, I honestly don't even remember what I was doing. But my phone rang. And uh, I don't remember what the caller ID said. But... Back then, you answered no matter. Yeah. But I answered and... They said, can I speak to Russell Bonds? I said, this is he. And they said, hey, this is so-and-so from the 911 operator. The thing was Robert Sell. Yeah. And uh, they said, "Your, uh, I wanted to let you know that your daughter has fallen into the, into the swimming pool. And uh, like your wife's working on her or something. I can't remember. You know, I mean, it's all just a blur. But... Basically, hey, you've got a daughter that just drowned. Right. And they didn't tell me which daughter or anything. And so I, you know, I, I mean, just hauled it back. I think you said you got home in eight minutes. Yeah, it was a, like I said, it was a 20 or 25 mile trip. And I made it back to the house in about eight minutes. You Well, you made it to the <clears throat> softball field. So what happened was... As soon as the cop or the police officer got there, and I remember him being about about the age your granddad would be, to yeah. Jameson, he was like he was approaching us so slow. And we had our dogs outside. We had two small dogs at the time. And they were all outside excited because some of us there, they had no idea what was going on. They weren't worried about a thing. And here comes this man, and it was like he was creeping up on us to make sure. And by then, Jameson was as mad as a hornet. <laughs> And she has a temper. Mm-hmm. She gets that honest. But she was angry, and she was wet, and she was cold. And then the EMS come up, and they uh, they put her on a gurney, I, I think. Yeah, they did. And they let her ride to the ambulance. And here this whole time, Aubrey's here, and the dogs are here, and I'm wet and barefoot. Yeah. And this all happened so quickly and they, they're like, all right, Mama, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to, uh, where did they give me a choice, Mobile or Pensacola? Yeah. Yeah, because our Loxley, <laughs> Loxley is right in the middle of Mobile, right. Alabama, and Pensacola, Florida. Yeah. And my choices were those two. Th- I'm like, wait a minute. We've got this hospital right down the road. Right. And so I knew right then, and my brain didn't register until right then, that this was re- this is serious. Yeah. This was bad. Yeah. And I knew that they meant by helicopter. Yeah. God, holy crap. Yeah, I didn't <clears throat> I didn't realize that. And so when I was on my way home, I turned in our subdivision and it was just a one street subdivision. But I turned in our subdivision and an ambulance met me. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately did a U-turn right there and followed the ambulance. I thought it was going to the hospital. Well, a couple, you know, maybe a mile away. If oh, that, the, the school. Yeah. yeah, there was a there was a softball field uh, close to our house, and uh, so I'm behind the ambulance, and I look up and I see this helicopter landing in the softball field, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't tell you what I was thinking, but. Um, well, uh, we jump out of the ambulance. Yeah. And I'm still barefoot. Right. And I have no purse. I have no idea what happened to the dogs. My yeah. kid seems fine. <laughs> yeah. She seems normal. And I'm like, why are we doing all this? And then they get, they get to us to the helicopter, and the protocol is you have the pilot, you have a nurse, and you have a paramedic or an EMS worker. Right. 
tech, whatever it's called. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be offensive. Just listen. And they, and then your patient, because there are, there's weight limits to helicopter. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't careful, you'll crash. Right. So they thought in the, in the ambulance, I kept telling them, you're not taking her without me. Mm -hmm. You will not take her on a helicopter. I don't trust helicopters with Rusty being a pilot. I know way more about helicopters than I need to. Yeah. She won't let me fly helicopters. And don't ask me. It's like a, I've told him it's a motorcycle in the sky. I don't trust them. So I'm, I was adamant that that child, I would take care of her at home before I'd let her get on a helicopter without me. And well, I got to ride in a helicopter that day. And it was, I was up front in the right seat and the paramedic was in the back with her. And I look out the window and Rusty is standing by the dugout as we're pulling up. Yep, third base dugout. And Aubrey's there holding it, or he's holding Aubrey. And I'm like, wait, how'd this happen? How did this happen? Because it was like in a blink of an eye, we were in the air. Yeah. We're going to Pensacola because it's the better place. Yeah, they, they don't screw around with that. So we got there in about 30 minutes, and the whole time I was on the helicopter, I was talking into the headset to the paramedic, and I was telling him, or asking him for vitals the whole time. And I do know that from the time we left the softball field until we got to uh, Pensacola, her temp, her body temp rose about five degrees because when 887 was where she tanked, right? Is that as low as it got, 87 degrees? I, th- I think so. Her yeah. body temp was. So it had gotten to almost normal, but I couldn't hear her. And that was my biggest thing. I wanted to be able to hear her in his mic. I couldn't hear a thing. But we get to the hospital, and they land on the roof, of course. And when they roll the gurney out of the helicopter, Jameson's standing, standing straight up, and because I'm at the head of the bed, and she's reaching, trying to reach over to get me, and they're having to raise the head so she can't get to me. And I'm like, y'all? Because she's attached to IVs and all kinds of stuff, and she was ready to murder somebody. Mm -hmm. We get into triage. And the doctor goes in. He's only in there for a couple of minutes. And I'm still outside the room by myself. I don't even, somebody was with me. I don't know who it was. Probably some social worker <coughs> writing a report. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that happens. But uh, Rusty hadn't made it yet because it's a 30 minute, 30, 35 minute drive yeah. from Loxley to Pensacola. And the doctor came out, I mean, quickly. And he's like, well, you did it, Mama. And I said, what are you talking about? Is she okay? And he said, she's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I'm like, cool, let me see my kid. Yeah. And he goes, so uh, what kind of medicine do you practice? <laughs> and I said, I'm a graphic designer. And he goes, oh, well, somebody thought you were a doctor. <laughs> so it turns out that... I don't even know why they assumed this, but that's why the flight nurse was kicked off the helicopter. Yeah. Because they thought I was a, a doctor. She had to hitchhike back. That's like a miracle, too. Right. But that's the only reason we took her to Pensacola. Yeah. Because she was kicked off. Mm-hmm. And she really did have to get a, a ride back to work. That's funny. She could have rode with me. She could have. Yeah. If she'd only known. So I go in there and see her, and they do have her attached. Or they had an IV, and they had an NG tube to drain the water from her tummy and they pulled out this 
like it looked like a gallon worth of water yeah. from her tummy. And we stayed in the hospital overnight. I couldn't call my mom because I was everything happened every couple of minutes. I mean, someone was coming in, checking her, she was she was crying. It was just busy yeah. from the time we got there until about two, three in the morning. Yeah. And I found out the next day that um, everybody kept coming in to see the miracle. And that's what they called her. Yeah. And I kept thinking, what are they talking about? Was it really that serious? And now I do, and now that I am 10 years away from it, 10 and a half years away from it, I do realize what a crazy miracle it was. Oh, yeah. Big time. That she had been deprived for, I I would say, at the minimum 20 minutes mm-hmm. of oxygen. And I do know that her body temperature helped that, but it still doesn't save you no. completely. So she was deemed a miracle. We went home before lunch the next day, and she was a grumpy kid, but... You know, at the hospital, right when everything finally died down and she finally fell asleep and I went in the shower and Rusty actually had to go back home and get me clothes and bring back my clothes because yeah. I was still wet and shoes. Somebody had put our dogs back in our house. And <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. But I, I remember laying down on the fold-out couch or chair or whatever it's supposed to be. And I finally broke down and sobbed. And well, when I saw you in the hallway, the first thing I said to you was what? Do you remember? I don't. I ran up to you, and Lisa was with you. Yeah. And I told you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I couldn't, that's all I could say. Because it was absolutely my fault and my responsibility because she had fallen into the pool she had ridden her four-wheeler into the pool. Yeah, she just couldn't steer it. While I wasn't watching yeah. her. I was... And yeah, I felt like it was the mark of a careless mother. Yeah. And I was way more mature than that. I should have been there right with her. Because as a mom, you promise God that you're going to take care of his kid. That's his kid. Yeah. And you're supposed to treat those children... Like they don't belong to you. Mm-hmm. You're just here to take care of them and raise them for him. And I had failed. So I apologized to Rusty. And I knew he forgave me. He, he, you know, we are both human. And he knows mistakes as well as I do. Very well. So, and we had already gone through the, the whole other thing the year before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we both had... Black marks. Right. We forgive each other. But I laid down on that couch and I begged and begged and begged God to forgive me. And I know that he did. But well, when it happened. Yeah. Because I'm also his child. And what he knew was going to happen. And he knew what I needed. But what happened in that backyard was more than just Jameson's miracle. It was the first time I actually had called on him audibly. Yeah. And he answered me 
audibly. And that did so much for my faith. Mm-hmm. And it, it changed me as a mom and as a person. I already had, you know, pretty good faith. But that was something that only God could do. Yeah. That work, that that change in my, the strength of my faith. So, let's, let's hit on the miracles real quick. Okay, so first we have Aubrey being able to open the door. Yeah. When Rusty and I asked her later, we're like, so how did you get in the door? And, you know, she was a, still is a very articulate child. Yeah. And she was, it was open. Yeah. The door that you made sure was shut. And I pulled it twice to right. make sure the yeah. vacuum was done. The door was open when she went to go get it the It was phone. open. Yeah. And I said, you mean like open or like you turned the knob and it opened? She goes, no, it was open. And I knew for a fact that it was not open. We'd even gone into the garage <clears throat> in, while we were outside. And it, I, I made sure to look up there to make sure it was still closed. I, yeah, it was a big deal to us. So that was miracle number one. And then, then that I remembered CPR at all because I had learned as an 11-year-old kid. So the, I knew everything about it. And the fact that I could get her body free of whatever was clogging her lungs. Miracle number two. We got Rusty home without being killed because he was going so fast. And then Aubrey finding the phone at all. Yeah. That was that was crazy. Yeah. I, I still don't know where I'd left it. Yeah, that's that's incredible just on its own. And then I think it was the day after we came home. My mom had come to Alabama because it had upset her so much. I hadn't gotten to call her until the next day. I didn't get to call anybody. Rusty called. I don't even know that you called because you had already to deal with after right. that. And I was like, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. But the day after, my mom was there. She came from Kentucky and we were playing with Jameson in the floor. And she, of course, she was tiny because she was two. And we had these great big 12 feet built-ins mm-hmm. with bookshelves. And we kept a picture of Rusty's mom on the top shelf because she had passed away in, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Or, or before, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, she passed away a month a month after Jameson was born. In fact, Jameson uh, was named after my mom and my dad. She was, yeah, she was named after him, and she was born on my mom's birthday. So, I don't know what made me even do this, but I climbed on to the built-ins and pulled Kathy's picture down. I thought, you know... I know Jameson died. Yeah. So let's see if she she knows right. who this is. We knew where Kathy was. So yeah. I want I just wanted to see. None of us know anything about death or you know, anyone we didn't know anyone else that had died and survived. Right. So I pulled the picture down and I put it in front of Jameson who was playing on the floor and I said, Who is this? And I know for a fact because I got down on her level as far back as I could go. I knew she had never seen that picture mm-hmm. up close or even cared to look at it. Right. But um, I put this, I put it in her lap and I said, who is this? And she slapped the picture frame or the glass of it with both of her hands. And it, it's a close up of your mom, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, hug and kiss me. 
and I lost my breath. Yeah. But that, for, it was, it's like, what? And so I said, she hug and kiss you? She said, hug and kiss me. And she kept wiping her hands across her face like she was trying to rub her face. Mm-hmm. And I have a witness. My mom was sitting right there. And, and I said, who is this? And she said, she crying. And I said, who's crying? She said, she crying. And that was it. You know, her attention span of a two-year-old, you got 30 seconds, and you better get what you need done, done. Yeah. But that's, in her two-year-old voice and way, she let us know she had seen Kathy. Kathy, she, she would never have known Kathy any other way. No. Because she was seven weeks old. Yeah. And Kathy died. So, as far as we know, and I'm not wanting to assume anything, but as far as Jameson told us, she saw your mom. Yeah. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. 100% believe that. Well, I mean, a two-year-old doesn't have the capacity to make up something like well, that. for her to actually even form a sentence, because it's right. still hard for her today yeah. at 12. Right. But... She articulated it so well, you know, what happened. Yeah. And you could tell that she was excited to see the picture. Yeah. I really wish it was videotaped because yeah. it's hard to describe. But because Jameson gets excited about zero. Right. Unless it's like space. Yeah. Or drawing. But it was really cool to see that. Yeah. I wish I would have seen that. I know, you were at work again. Sometimes work gets in the way. But I told you as soon as you got home. Yeah. And mom absolutely backed me up. But she's today, Jameson is 12. She's taller than I am. She's bigger than I am. She's extremely smart. Yeah, I was going to say she's smarter than I am. She's has the worst memory ever. Yeah, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what all was affected by her drowning that day, uh, but her memory's got to be part of that because she has the worst memory. She can retain important facts mm-hmm. more than anybody that I know, though. Like things she learns at school, she stops those away and she hasn't forgotten any of it. Yeah. A face and a name, don't. Well, you're bad about it too. Yeah. But she's really bad. Yeah. But other than that, and maybe, maybe her lungs, when she gets sick, she hangs on to a cough a lot longer than anybody else mm-hmm. should. And, but that's it. Yeah. Out of what could have been death or be, living the rest of her life as a vegetable. Yeah. I mean, and I hate to say it that way, but it's, it could have been, it should have been. A lot worse than what happened. Yeah. Excuse me. We are talking about something. Give me that pig. Pearl? Pearl just grabbed her squeaky pig. <sighs> you are the worst dog when we try to record. Yeah. But anyway, that's our story. Yeah. And for me, it's a story of like 10 plus miracles. And we had them written down and... I'm, I'm sure I miss it. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing. I mean, that, that story alone could be made into a movie. I've told the story every year on its anniversary publicly because I feel like it's a 
a huge testimony. Yeah. And it makes a lot of people cry too. It does, and I hope it, it makes them think because I'm not someone special. And for me to have been favored that day was, it was planned the day the earth was created. Yeah. I mean, obviously God had plans for Jameson that went beyond that, pardon me, went beyond that day. And for me, because this was a reckoning for me. This was, hey, your faith was really bad. Yeah. This is for you. This is also for your husband. Yeah. This is for you too to pay attention to what I do for you. Yeah. And, you know, watch your kids more. Right. We did make a lot of changes when it came to parenting. And the guilt that I put myself through and that I felt like the community, well, back then there was no Facebook. Praise God. Yeah. Because I would have gotten it. As much as the news, news channels around here. Pearl, you're going to have to put that thing down. Fact, the, news, the news people contacted us, yeah. <clears throat> came out to our house and interviewed us. We've been on the news. They wanted it to be a, a story about CPR. Yeah. And I told them no probably yeah. five times. Yeah. And finally, I agreed to it. But I thought, you know what? I got my own agenda. Right. So when they came out and interviewed us... They, they asked me questions. I made sure that God got every single bit of the glory yeah. on television, on NBC. Mm-hmm. So they kept asking me, what do you think saved your daughter? Right. I think he asked me about 10 different ways. And I finally said, the grace of God. Yeah. And that's what made TV. Yeah. <laughs> it, it aired on my birthday. Oh, did it? I didn't realize that. No, 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 no. No, I take that back. It happened 10 days before my birthday. Okay. And then we went out to celebrate my birthday. Yeah. And it happened to be on television. But it was a couple weeks later. Yeah. But anyway. But it, it's it's a neat story. It's one that I've just now gotten to the point where I don't feel like an idiot mother. Yeah. When I tell it. Yeah. And like you said, after that, we did all kinds of safeguards. We installed a pool alarm and... Put locks way up high. Yeah. But then we moved. We yeah. had to... We moved. It was just just part of all of it that we had, you know, we had, we needed to get out and yeah. start over, right. start fresh. But anyway. So, I hope you enjoyed that story. Well, uh, I hope we'll, it I hope it boosts your faith a little bit. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll tie this into the next episode and show you how this story changed quite a bit about who we are. Yes. A little bit more. But thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. See you.